Don't we feel bad about this? We're eating all these sentient beings. They're screaming and hard. You know that cabbages can feel you eating them? Yeah, but all the other animals eat them. That's nature's design. The lion eats gazelles. I guess the way gazelles to look at it... probably feel you eating them. To get, the way to look at it is that we are the lions. And we can do whatever the hell we want. Screw the lesser beings. Pork chops, please. Hmm. All right, carry on. All right, going another on? week. What do you got, Admiral? Another What's on the docket, Admiral? of the Grub Street Podcast. As always, uh, I'm Alan Sitzma, the editor of Grub Street. I'm here with Adam Platt, our esteemed restaurant critic. Yes, sir. And today we are joined by a special guest. We're here with Larry Olmsted. He is a journalist whose new book, Real Food, Fake Food, came out this week. And the reason that he is here is we are going to talk about all the ways that our food is not actually what we think it is. Is that correct? That's what I would define fake food as. I would say that your book is about, is about 350 pages of just, it's, it's a little scary because all of these things that you think are real, that you think you can eat, are just not what you think. And your Kobe beef is not from never, New Jersey. never. Never from Kobe. No, well, by law, never from Kobe. I, I should say at this juncture that I thought about uh, calling the book "Fake Food, Real Food," but I did not because the reason you have these fake foods is because the real foods are so good. Right. So there is real cheese and real Kobe beef and real olive oil, and they're worth seeking out. But there's just not yeah, enough of it so yeah, that everyone can grate it over yeah. their and, romaine salad like, every night. We're basically tired of talking about that stuff. So we're going to talk about the fake stuff. We're going to talk about the fake stuff. And this the nefariousness of it all. Well, we are here. We're at Frankie's 457 in Carroll Gardens, Italian restaurant. One of the most popular restaurants in the city, I would say. Excellent Italian food. We have a bottle of Frankie's 457 olive oil right in front of us. Uh, and some beautiful uh, fresh bread. But now, Larry, you're saying there's a 95% chance... That this olive oil might not be real no, no, extra virgin. Extra virgin, yeah, yeah. Extra virgin. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the worst performing brands were about ninety four percent, but on average, yeah, eighty to eighty five percent. And those are like supermarket brands, yeah, like the, the big brands, the that big you see all five the time. that you see in the supermarket: Bertoli, Carapelli, um, Colavita do really poorly in the tests. And a matter of fact, the uh, parent company of um, Bertoli and Carapelli was just fined $300,000 by the Italian government two weeks ago. This happens all the time for fraudulently labeling its oil. But um, I do believe that this is probably solid <laughs> oil right here, made from a single a single uh, estate in Sicily. So why, what, what are the markers and what are the indicators that someone can look for? Like if I'm in a grocery store, even if I'm at a restaurant, you know, restaurant's expensive. I'm paying $16, $20 for a salad or something. I don't want grapeseed oil from, you know, some unknown location. What what makes you feel good about this? What are the markers? What are the indicators? Well, this place, uh, Frankie's 457, is unusual in that they sell their oil, and they also sell it at Whole Foods, so it's some, somewhat of an established brand. Uh-huh. Most restaurants, you don't ever see the oil they're serving. They just put a plate of it in front of you, some sort of yellow liquid. Um 
And uh, there have been similar tests to the ones done on supermarket brands for the food service industry. Right. They do slightly better, but not much better. The preponderance is still fake. Really? So um, in restaurants, I'm a little more dubious, but restaurants, you're just eating what they serve you that night. The issue is more important at home because you're going to ingest a whole liter or whatever quantity right. you buy. So more of my, my I, I talk a lot about restaurants, but a lot of my tips in the book for buying are for buying for home. Right, because your book it's dealing a lot also with, I mean, restaurants, it's like whatever. I think people are feeling pretty, you know, a, a restaurant owner is trying to pass off an inferior product as something more expensive so they can make more money. But the real problem is they food system. I mean, that's happening on a much larger scale than just person well, but, to person. But also restaurants these days, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole uh, farm-to-table trope, which we're also weary of, right, Yeah, is uh, rife for abuse, right? Because nobody re- regulates. There's no FDA in the restaurant world. Uh, farm-to-table has become a fashion. Um there was a piece in, I think it was in Tampa Bay. In the Tampa, Tampa Bay Tampa Times, Tribune. Yeah. They, they did a big story on it. They went around to all of the quote-unquote farm-to-table restaurants in Tampa Bay, and they actually tested what ingredients one. were actually farm-to-table, and the answer was not very many. Uh, right? I, I, so I think like every it's like, single restaurant it's, they visited failed at it's, something. It's, so the it, it, restaurant fraud is rampant, right? It is, uh, especially, I mean... I mean, fresh, farm, anything you see on a restaurant, a menu that's designed to entice you. You didn't used to see, and on old-fashioned menus, you would see things like Dover Sole in terms of where products came from, but you did not see Mr. Farmer down the road. That's a relatively new development, and it's often a lie. And it's and the Tampa Bay story, which is a great, very in-depth, excellent reporting, was limited to Florida, but this... I mean, they've done investigations of a lot of what we consider prized regional foods, like crab cakes on the banks of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on Annapolis, on the banks of the Chesapeake Bay, and they come up as not being Maryland crab. And these are products that, if you travel, if you come to the United States from another country and you go to Annapolis, that's something that you seek out, like we go to Japan and seek out Kobe beef. And to be defrauded, it's kind of sad. Well, didn't, I, I think you told me the story of La Bernadette, which I've on record as saying is the, probably the best restaurant in the whole world. Um, advertises Kobe beef. I don't know if it was off the menu or on the menu. It was on the lunch menu. And in, in their defense, they were importing real Japanese Wagyu of but not near Kobe. comparable quality. And when they were confronted by Inside Edition, they admitted the mistake and changed the menu. Unlike the old Homestead, which said that's an issue of semantics and continues to serve non-Kobe. Old Homestead Kobe. steak is an overrated, really bad, very pricey steakhouse in New York. And steakhouses, I mean, God knows what they're giving you. Peter Luger's you know, Porter, how what they, you know, God knows what kind of cuts they're throwing at you. How old they are, how young they are, how rotten they are. Basically, it's a nightmare out there. I mean, I do think there are restaurants you can eat at, but it requires a lot of attention, and uh, it's hard as a consumer. Just just as shopping at the supermarket is hard, you have to try to be informed. And um, unfortunately, I think the onus is too high on the consumer. Admiral, what so, are we going to do? I don't know. What do we do? Well, I'm, we're suckers. I'm busy. I, I got a lot going eating. on. I don't think about it. I know. It. We I'm, live in New York. We're just eating whatever we're they stressed. tell me. I have enough things to worry about. I got to care about where my bananas are coming they from. They tell where me those mushrooms are plucked out in the forests of goddamn who knows where, and I write it in the damn my review. <laughs> we're in trouble, Admiral. I don't know. What do we do? What do I we don't do? Know. 
But so I guess I guess what we're getting at is that the problem is is very pervasive and it's all encompassing. There's a huge package that we ran in this week's issue of the magazine. Also, New York that magazine basically goes was- food by food by food by food, and the main takeaway is that the only thing that is safe to eat is nothing because well, it's all yeah well, to shit. Yeah, it was a little more. It was a little more. It's a little more complicated. It's like. I mean, we've talked about how, and I think, Larry, you would agree, that we're in the midst of all of these great, if you're a food lover, we're in the midst of all these revolutions. Uh, they're the best pickles you've ever tasted, the best cheeses you ever tasted, the best beef you've ever tasted, even if it's labeled wrong, the best country chicken. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful time to be alive and hungry. But with this new attention that's being paid to all of these things... And with the dawning of the slow food movement, which is actually not a dawning, it's a, it's something, it's it's a relatively, it's a, it's an ancient. These are ancient ways of, of of putting together food. With that has become this great food freakout, you know, yeah. where anything you you look at, you're 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 worried about. There are all these studies coming out, you know, uh, they're just designed to scare us. And you click on them, and you freak out, and you wonder what's good and what's bad. And anything you touch, you go to go down to go down even Whole Foods, which is a fairly very, very reputable, very, they vet their stuff very carefully. Mm-hmm. But say you go down and you want to buy an avocado, right? And if you really think about that avocado and the fact that it's not so firm, it's been trucked in three thousand miles, it's sucked gallons and gallons of water, it's got a, a carbon footprint the size of a Yeti. If you're a right-thinking a Brooklyn hipster who votes for Bernie Sanders like you two guys. Maybe not the Admiral. Who are the two? Ding they man don't know Dingman your point is Dingman. They Ding- can't see you. Admiral's so, he's, he's so feeling the burn. <laughs> Dingman is so feeling the burn. Anyway, if you're feeling the burn, you're not going to buy that avocado. You're going to put it back and you're going to feel guilty and bad. And anyway, that's what, our, that, that's what the big package is about. What's the alternative? About. What can you do? Can you just not eat? If, Larry, what can you do? Larry, help us out of this I look at it, I try not to pass judgment on individual diets. So if you're a vegetarian, that's fine. I don't say you should be a vegetarian or you need to be a vegetarian. Or I don't think you need... Some people really are concerned about the carbon footprint. As you said, there's different issues. My issue is if you've decided to eat something, if you think it's okay to eat beef, you should get beef when you buy beef. Um, that my, my issue is, is whatever it is that you're buying, it should be the product that's advertised. So, yes, you know, avocados use a lot of water. You're not but covering the, if the moral thing is one's own. You got yeah, to wrestle with It's yourself. a different issue. At least when you buy an avocado, you know you're getting an avocado. It doesn't look like an orange. But what's the solution here? I mean, I, I will say I don't think you're taking a particularly controversial stance that you want food transparency and you want to know that whatever you're buying, food or not, is what you're being sold. But what can you do? If, it, if the problem really is as pervasive as a lot of these studies indicate it is, um, you know, if almost all of the olive oil in most supermarkets is not actually extra virgin olive oil, I mean, what can you do? Is it even worth worrying about if it's just so pervasive that there's nothing you can do to stop it. It, it. it is worth worrying about because I source my per, my olive oil. I consume a lot of olive oil. And that's one of the things about my book is I knock a lot of olive oil, but I'm not knocking the concept of olive oil. I love olive oil. Well, Larry's and actually, and I know this, he's a real olive oil snob. And he gets his olive oil from this. He, he actually convinced me to get my olive oil from this place. And this olive oil is so otherworldly than ethereal that my wives and daughters open it up and they go, this, is this really olive oil? 
Like it has right. this sort of Martian like. Every time scent. I open a new bottle, I make my wife come into the kitchen so she can smell it. Because so when we crack it? the seal, the room smells like an olive grove, and you're never going to get that at the supermarket. Okay, well, but that's not really a. It's a club super realistic solution for most people, I would say, right? Okay, but a lot of these products, there is actually uh, enough supply of. Um, you, you know, you mentioned before grading the Parmesan Reggiano. The only reason there, there's plenty of Parmesan Reggiano produced. The only reason people buy the wrong thing is because there's this crappy domestic and Argentinian Parmesan sitting next to it in the supermarket that looks the same and is sometimes cheaper, not always. Um, and then there are other products that are of limited scarcity, and that's the way the world used to work. Uh, I look at shrimp as a prime example. When I was growing up, shrimp was on, on par with lobster. as It was a luxury item. You went to a fancy steakhouse, and you had a shrimp cocktail. That was like a big deal. You were going out. It was your birthday. You got five big, plump, juicy shrimp that snapped when you bit them. It didn't used to be that you would expect to get all-you-could-eat popcorn shrimp for $9.99. That is a creation of the modern... Uh, shrimp farm and shrimp farming is among the worst forms of agriculture and I'm not just talking morally even though it is morally it's bad for the environment it's bad for the shrimp it's bad for us so you have to sort of say I don't need to eat shrimp every day that's not natural right and um, then when you do want to eat shrimp you can eat good shrimp you just splurge so like where do you get good shrimp I mean, Whole Foods like you buy wild caught shrimp from the Gulf of Mexico what is causing, I mean, is it just increased awareness? These aren't new problems necessarily. I mean, there's been, sh shrimp has been cheap and plentiful for decades, and so has this always been the Not case? Not that old, but um, uh, a lot of it is, is science. The testing has gotten a lot better. The the uh, people watch you know shows like CSI and they're using gas chromography and all these things to test olive oil and DNA testing w is is what they use to verify seafood. So um, it's become easier for concern groups. A lot of these are nonprofits to actually validate the quality of the food. But I think the solution, um, at least for the short term, is most at the state level. Connecticut and California have passed stricter standards for olive oil than the federal government has. And um, whether whatever your position on GMOs, which I, is not something I cover in my book, the idea that a state like Vermont would be the first to wade into that um, is indicative of the fact that ultimately it's going to be at a, a more local level. Some states in the Tampa Bay Times story, Florida S actually prosecuted some of these restaurants um, for, for fraud, but in a lot of states, that it's not a crime what they're doing, lying about what they're serving. So I think, I think it's, it's going to, we can't expect the federal government to bail us out. The FDA has known about this for 70 years and doesn't really care. So you, you, you view the FDA as a feckless organization? I think they're probably really good when it comes to approving new drugs, and that's what they spend all their resources on, even though we eat every day. We don't necessarily take the drugs. A good example of this, right? We talk a lot about drugs in the meat supply, and especially with beef, they're fed everything. Antibiotics, hormones, steroids. But the use of hormones, growth hormones, is banned in the United States for poultry and pork. So while they eat a lot of antibiotics, chicken do not eat hormones. It's banned. Yet the chicken producers have found that if they sell the same chicken with a label that says no hormones added, they can get 20 or 30 or 40 more cents a pound. And in some cases, they sell both. They sell a regular chicken and one that says no hormones added, even though neither of them has hormones and neither can by law. 
Now you can talk about government regulating too much of our lives or whatever, but this is a fairly, it would be very easy for the government to say, you can't slap no hormone labels on something that can't have hormones, or conversely, every chicken has to say no hormones. The fact that they're not even willing to make this really obvious incremental leap of logic, I think says a lot about the government's unwillingness to try to protect American consumers. So it's up to us. So what are your chicken, uh, do you have, ch what's your what's your chicken uh, I choice? I personally buy Smart Chicken, which is a nationally available brand. It's at a lot of supermarkets. It's, uh, uh comes in both conventional and organic versions, but the biggest thing is that it's what's called Never Ever 3. It doesn't eat byproducts and it doesn't eat, use antibiotics. And, it, and, and it's, you know, it's marginally more expensive than the cheapest chicken, but it's not like some not heirloom Bell, breed. Bell, is, it Bell and, is it Bell and Evans? Is that, you know? No, it's Tecumseh Poultry Company. And it was a reaction to the consolidation in the poultry industry. I mean, a lot of these industries, there's only a handful of manufacturers controlling all of the, the, the meat. It's hopeless. So is this a, a United States problem? Are we the worst of anybody? We're an outlier. Um, a lot, U.S. and China share a lot of points of view on these issues, which is scary. Um, and in most most of the world, things like Parmigiano Reggiano and Champagne and Kobe beef are protected terms, not in the United States, which is a lot of our problem. That being said, the rest of the world has all kinds of food scandals. The horse meat scandal in, in the EU was, was a big I one. I don't know I'm laughing. We've managed to avoid, though we have the same thing with lobster. You know, it, was, it was all processed food. People went and bought meatloaf or TV dinners and it was horse meat instead of beef, so we buy lobster ravioli and it's not lobster. Are we somewhat insulated? I guess we're not. We're not insulated. Even if we dine in fancy restaurants and um, try our best to uh, eat locally and... I mean, I guess it's a matter of cho choice. I think it's moderation, right? So personally, I love barbecue. One of my favorite food groups, Southern style barbecue. Um, I've been to most of the famous barbecue joints in the country. None of them are serving grass-fed, free-ranging heirloom pigs. You know, the ribs, yeah, it's the lowest common denominator of meat. So I say, well, if I'm gonna eat drug-laden, pork or beef, I'll save it for when I go to a fancy, not fancy, a divey, great roadside barbecue place. Uh, and I try to eat better at home. And that's basically my philosophy. You know, I travel a lot for work, like yourself. I eat out a lot. And when I'm home, I try to eat with a higher degree of purity. And even when I eat out, I do. But, you know, at some point, if you're going to review a restaurant and their specialty is barbecue, you're not going to be getting drug-free meat. Do you draw the line anywhere? There's some things you just will not eat? Um, I, eat I eat very little sushi anymore, even though I love sushi. It's one of the worst, probably the worst restaurant category. And wrong. Um, Why? Because it's, it's all fake? or It's, it's all, all fake, so and, the fakes, it's all and the fakes are, are worse than the other things that you get. The... Uh, the White tuna, which is widely used in rolls and chopped up, and the spicy tuna and all this, um, is is the number one substitute is escalar, whose nickname is the Exlax fish, banned in some countries, known to cause digestive distress. I say, anytime someone gets sick eating sushi, they always say the next day, I must have had bad tuna. 
But the reality is, no, you never had any tuna at all, though you paid for it. Instead, you, they gave you a fish that they knew was going to make you sick. And that, that happens all over the place. So if, if, say, Adam Platt and his expense account were to take me to Masa or Sushi Naokazawa or something like that, I can, I can live with it because You'll I know they source their, their, their fish. But I'm, not, stuff down. but I'm not going to the neighborhood sushi place. And again, like, like I said about shrimp before, in some degree, you shouldn't be able to buy sushi at the convenience store. That's not really how the food was meant to be consumed. Well, obviously, the sushi was... That's why you have the sushi out in front of you, who's doing this stuff all very carefully, because it's ancient tradition of, 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 of freshness and um, hygiene, which, of course, as it grows more popular and it's cooked everywhere and you can buy it in supermarkets, uh, dissipates. Even, I, I would imagine, in uh, the sushi section of, of your, your friendly neighborhood Whole Foods. Sounds like you just have to walk around with the assumption that everybody's lying to you about what you're eating. And you just have to vet it. The what, grocery, what about your hamburger at McDonald's? Well, you know, or McDonald's in people, general, people or love, Wendy's. People love to knock fast food, but to me, when you go and you buy a hamburger at McDonald's, you're getting exactly what you expect. I don't put a high bar on the quality. They don't even say a lot of times. Not, I'm, I'm not saying on McDonald's, but fast food burgers in general, it's a hamburger. They don't say it's 100% beef. They certainly don't say it's Kobe beef or grass-fed beef. It's a 99-cent hamburger or a dollar ninety-nine. Well, but hamburger. what about Subway saying they have the fresh-baked bread, it's real bread, and then there was the whole idea of the chemical that was in it that was used in yoga mats. It was sort of blown out of proportion, but Subway had to react and say, no, we're okay, we're taking it out now. And they just got sued because their footlongs were only 11 inches long right. or something. So you're not necessarily getting what you're being sold. Right, but I think, I, I guess it's... Um, it's, it's managing your expectations. Uh, I think while it's fashionable to knock fast food, when, when I see a commercial for Pizza Hut or Domino's and it's like two large pizzas for $9.99, there's sort of an assumption that you're going to get what you pay for. When you see a, a Kobe beef steak for $350 and it's not what you pay for, or wild-caught salmon, then it's not, and the substitute is actually dangerous. It's not just lower quality. That's a little bit different. Is this stuff dangerous, though? I mean, it's a ripoff, but, I mean, does it pose a threat to our health if what you're getting is, you know, Wagyu beef from Montana instead of Japanese beef from Kobe? Well, in that particular case, no, except that in Kobe, they're not allowed to feed the cows antibiotics or hormones or steroids, and in Montana, they are. And... This whole issue of uh, antibiotic-resistant superbugs is directly towards, directly traceable to our food supply. Lots of doctors and scientists see the correlation. 80% of the antibiotics produced in the United States are fed directly to animals. They don't go to any medical use. And this is a real problem that's killing tens of thousands of people a year and costing tens of millions of dollars. And uh, if you're trying, like myself, that's one of my big things. I don't want to eat drugs in my food. So I am very careful about the meat I source at home. So if you go through that trouble and you pay a premium and you buy it and it still has antibiotics and steroids and hormones, uh, which real Kobe beef say does not, but it's not just that. I mean, menus say antibiotic-free, drug-free, and they still have it. And, um, and the seafood, 
So I'm at the substitution. Red snapper is the single most substituted fish in the country. 94% of the time you order it at retail or restaurants, you're not getting red snapper. And the number one substitute for it is a fish called tilefish, which is on the FDA's do not eat list for, for pregnant women because it's so high in mercury. So, you know, we're told that seafood is better for us than red meat a lot of the time and people think they're making a healthy choice and I, I mean there's no other way to say it I think they're, they're being poisoned it's worse than eating crappy food it's like you're deliberately being poisoned and yet we have some beautiful meatballs in front of us uh, I'm going to eat them where's, where's and that, I'm not going to feel know, where's that beef from where's that, I don't know Brooklyn the kitchen God help us all listen we, we've been eating like hogs for years and decades and we're not sick Although we're slightly addled in the head. But some might say we're sicker than we would be if we'd been eating normally. Well, that's the other question. And I think this is probably true, that in general, people, and I'm not just talking about uh, food snobs like us, but in general, the, the population, we could talk about the globe, but let's just talk about this country, uh, are eating a better quality of food than before. Would you agree or disagree, Larry? Before when? Say 20, 20, 20 years ago. Yes. But when we grew up in the 70s and 80s, like just blindly wandering around, uh, you know. I would say yes. Heating up our swans and TV years ago. So that's, Not necessarily better that, than 50 that's years some, ago. It, we talked about fast food. I mean, th- there's been a revolution in fast food, too. You can get better quality. I mean, we can talk about Chipotle, although they're subject to all sorts of, all sorts of health scares all the time because the irony, one of the ironies is, is that salad and, and foods that aren't cooked spread you know, stomach bugs and things like that. But you have Chipotle, you have the, the McDonald's, is, say what you want about it, it's a, it's a great company. Mm-hmm. And they are, they are uh, uh, reacting to their consumers and changing the way they do things all, all the time, often in the forefront. You could actually sort of compare them to the military, actually, which is, you know, the same kind of thing. It's, 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 it's fashionable to attack these big organizations, but they have to adapt or they'll be in trouble. So anyway... We're, we're a little better off than we were 20 years ago, but we feel worse about it. But you, when you look at the world, I think a lot of people look at a country that has a lower rate of heart disease or cancer or health and tries to pin it on something and say, oh, in the Mediterranean. Yeah, what they about eat a lot blue of, zones? They eat a lot of olive oil or whatever it is. But I think it's not one food. It's a general purity of the foods. And I, I wrote a lot about grass-fed beef. And I looked into the numbers. And the two, by far, largest beef-consuming countries in the world are Uruguay and Argentina. They eat twice as much as we do. And we're very high in the world. But all of their beef is grass-fed and drug, drug-free. And both countries, I mean, the, the, the amount of meat they eat is, is mind-boggling. It's like a daily thing, like bread for us. And they're both in the top 10 of lowest heart disease, much lower than the United States. And to me, it's got to be that, you know, eating all those drugs and chemicals in your meat can't be good for you. Right. And you know any, any card-carrying New York steak loon is going to look upon grass-fed beef and, like, just go, no. So in that sense, you're right. Uh, it is, corn-fed beef is, is, a, is a, a, somewhat of a foie gras, like uh, it's fattier, it's uh, got marbling and consistency and it uh, to us it tastes better it's a sad notion it's all sad I'm not going to eat that no- I mean, the hell with that meatball what else can I have here <laughs> I'm going to have some gorgonzola cheese is pretty maybe safe. some greens cheese is pretty safe cheese is safe well this little, cheese is pretty give you, safe give you I'm a heart attack, attack. Oh, no, I, I certainly didn't want to no cheese is, is definitely not safe as a food group these 
cheeses are safe. So it's I mean, it's a, there's no reason for anyone to ever buy grated cheese. It's a very, you know, what do you use grated cheese for? You put a little bit on top of your pasta, or if you have a recipe for lasagna or something that calls for grated cheese, it's never more than like a quarter of a cup. So you take a freaking piece of cheese and you take a grater and 10 seconds later you have actual grated cheese to have a container of grated cheese of any quality sitting in your home. Yeah, but that craft no cra cheese is awesome. Parmesan cheese? Oh, come on, Aaron. <laughs> come on, Ding Man. The green, alluring green canister of your youth. It's awesome. The thing, I, the, just a mommy and a little, just shake I got it nothing against. I got nothing against food like that, but I can't get behind the green canister of Parmesan as compared to real Parmigiano Reggiano, which is widely available and vastly superior. And easy to grate. Look at canned tomatoes. What it says, San Marzano, and the great Italian tomato. Are those really uh, San Marzano? You San Marzano? can buy San Marzano tomatoes in the United States, but most of the cans labeled San Marzano tomatoes are not. And this is something anyone who's been to Italy. I mean, everyone I talk to in the world who goes to Italy comes back, and the first thing they say is, why does the food taste so much better? Even something as simple as tomato sauce. There's very few ingredients. Well, their tomatoes aren't fake, and the basil, uh, it, they, well, you use fresh basil, it's hard to get ripped off, but like in this country, if you buy dried basil, it might 50% of the time, it's got lawn clippings in it, so it's not going to really hold up to the, you know, they're homey over there, but they don't know their lawn. Basil? Lawn I got to worry Oregano? about basil now? Only yeah. dried. You're really hitting Abba where it hurts now. Yeah. Only dried. Um, and that's one of the things, that, you know, you buy the food as close as you can to the original form. Like you buy a basil leaf rather than a bunch of chopped up dried basil. All, all the herbs that you see in the, on, the, on the store racks are, are all, uh, in some ways, uh, long clippings, right? Well, CBS News in New York did a, a, a New York-only study of uh, store spices, and 50% of their samples were adulterated. Turmeric was cut with corn. Uh, nutmeg was cut with pepper, which is cheaper than nutmeg. And your green-type, uh, oregano-type was... But it's other vegetation, possibly weeds, is what the laboratory said. God, you've, re you've reduced us into sort of a stunned and depressed silence. Dingman hasn't can, spoken for I don't but know you can, forty-five you minutes. You can buy you can buy basil. Admiral just muttering to you himself. You don't have to buy dried basil. I mean, the way that the world used to work is you went to the store and bought stuff when you wanted to cook. You didn't open your cabinet and take out something a year old and put it in your food like most people do with olive oil or dried herbs. Well, Larry, thanks for coming here and just really depressing the hell out of us. It's been great. I, know. I can barely even enjoy my meatballs. It's been awesome. Maybe what about drinking? We just drink Drink? Is that okay? Is Scotch like, whiskey, I, I single out in my book, is the single most real food in the world. It's the only, I mean, the U.S. has has really, as I mentioned, been an outlier in refusing to honor other countries' trademarks and intellectual properties, yet a specific act of Congress respects the rights of Scotch whiskey, defines it as the U.K. does, and in turn, Scotland, the Scottish Parliament passed an act that said that you cannot make any other whiskey within Scotland that does not meet the standard. They wanted to prevent you from having a second tier product that could be labeled whiskey from Scotland as opposed to Scotch whiskey. So you're talking about blended everything. Blended, single malt, there's basically no fraud problem in the US. There are some other countries, like if you were in India and you were shopping, you may want to be a little leery, but to me, I say in my book, before you read this, you might want to just pour yourself a big glass of Scotch whiskey and kick back in the easy chair. Sounds good to me. Can we stop this conversation now? Like, can we just, like, stop it, order some whiskey, get some hand and ice cream, 
find a field to wander in. What are in. these olives? Are these olives okay? They're olives. They're just olives. Whatever. So, you know, I'm done with it. Who I'm knows done. anymore? You know what? It's, I'm, I'm done with this conversation. Mean lobster, whole mean lobster and scotch whiskey should be your diet from now on and you'll be I'm good. I'm okay with that. Okay. You know, that's, okay. that's fair enough. We, we can survive on that. You know, we're going to... We're going to live after all. <laughs> well, I'm moving to New Hampshire and starting a goat farm, and I'm just going to live off goat meat and fresh goat cheese. And scotch whiskey. Scotch whiskey, yeah, like, maybe. He's a martini man. God knows what's in his gin. Oh, gin, okay. We don't even talk about what's in Admiral's gin. He's just going gonna to fall into a sad stupor and never wake up. No. Because by the time I have the second martini, I will have forgotten all about it. That's here's to the second martini um, and the third martini. All right, well, that's it for us, for Adam Platt and for uh, Larry Olmstead. Uh, I'm Alan Sitz, Mike Grub Street. Larry's book again is called Real Food, Fake Food. You can get it now. Uh, for our producer Sam Digman, for everyone at Panoply, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll have another episode in two weeks. Thanks. Thank you.